0: I'm Rayne your host, and this is episode 8. Now, uh, this will be a slightly shorter episode today. Um, diving right into a couple news pieces. The first female Doctor Who in over 54 years. It's fantastic news. Uh, last Sunday, BBC announced that Jodie Whittaker would take on the mantle as the new Doctor Who, the first woman uh, in the 54 year history I will say, completely honest with you guys, I have never seen no, that's a lie, I've seen one episode of Doctor Who uh, maybe four years ago and like a lot of things, the first impression or it takes a minute to get into, I didn't allow myself to have that minute, so I understand that this is a milestone, a big thing Let's clap for But I never got into Doctor Who. But um, I was doing some Googling and searching and listening to a few things. And there is a storyline that I heard of that I'll have to go and track down. Because just by um, the description, it seemed very, very much up my alley. So kudos to BBC and to Doctor Who for finally getting a woman doctor. (laughs) and then her companion i don't know how all that works anybody who does tweet me a carefully blurred let me know how you feel about it should the companion be a male or female i don't know if that's a specific thing but just because i'm not into doctor who doesn't mean that this isn't a great great piece of news here and she's a very um I don't want to say pretty, like mega rely just on her looks, but she she's a very attractive doctor, um, and I bring it up mainly because what I've seen from the beginning, the images I saw were like older men who looked very uh, interesting. Facially, <laughs> And then they start changing and becoming more Victorian and a little bit more conventionally attractive. So that's the only reason I bring up how she looks. But I'm so happy for Doctor Who fans out there that you have a woman doctor. And of course, there's been hating Backlash, much like with anything. And that's whatever. That is what it is. Um, also, I saw Spider-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming. And intended to do a review show on it. Did not get around to it. But needless to say, Spider-Man Homecoming was an exceptional movie. Um, I want to (laughs) say one of the drawbacks of it is that it failed the Bechdel's test. Because I don't think, and I have to go watch it again, but I can't recall one scene where two women, ladies, girls, females, or whatever, were speaking to each other at all. Um... Spoiler alert! I think Liz and her mom spoke briefly. Um, if I'm wrong, and you know right off the bat, again tweet me carefree blurred because I can't recall exactly. But I don't, I don't think two ladies spoke to each other at all. And if they did, I think it was about Peter. But that's that. Uh, and then moving on. Oh, amazing news! So, *Strangers in Paradise*. Tony Moore, the creator uh, of *Strangers in Paradise*, d like? 25 year old comic that oh my god was one of those things where when I first got into comics it was the Superman, the Batman, the X-Men and all that but then there were these fringe books like Gen 13 like Strangers in Paradise that had more kind of adult um adult themes in them from time to time Strangers in Paradise was like watching a soap, was reading a soap opera and as a kid I didn't understand I understand i didn't grasp the idea of serial books like x-men had a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and six. i would just pick up whatever so when it came down to me realizing oh well this is how they run it's not just a book that just comes out there's a story to be told strangers in paradise was one of those books where i think i may have got like at a flea market or at, you know a bookstore in a dollar bin or a quarter bin or something and i had a few issues just laying around over the last few years i think i've Gotten the whole collection from like an omnibus to a few trades to like some um I don't know what you call them like the smaller books that look like like a little notebook you'd write in but I I want to say I have the entire run of Strangers in Paradise over like maybe seven to ten different like books book styles or whatnot and I I'm trying to carve out some time to sit down and actually read through it because that it may very well be a horrible read for me, or it might be the best thing since sliced bread. I I know that I enjoyed it before the artwork alone, and even though *Strangers in Paradise* was a black and white book, it was so clean, so crisp, so simple. And I remember once, and for anyone under the sound of my voice who is a *Strangers in Paradise* fan, this may or may not be funny to you, but I remember reading *Strangers in Paradise* and um seeing the love triangle going on there and like okay this is like a soap opera like a primetime drama and then i picked up one issue randomly and there was like one of the main characters tied to a chair there was this woman who looked like a big ass like amazonian foot soldier and she was like waving guns everywhere like, it was this it was a complete <laughs> like total departure from what I thought the book was about and that right there made me want to read it even more. But again, being a kid with no money of my own and having to rely on the kindness of family members, I didn't get the full run until recently. So I'll be diving into that. Um, Terry Moore also has the book Echo, Rachel Rising and Motor Girl. I am currently collecting Motor Girl. I think Rachel Rising and Echo are, those runs are completely done. Um, and one of those is being, I think, piloted for a TV show. Don't give me the line about which one it is, but I know I read somewhere that one of his series is. It might be Strangers in Paradise Hell. Um, but Motor Girl, about that woman um, who's a vet with that, uh, not a veterinarian, <laughs> she's a veteran. And she has like a little shop that she works on cars with, with her gorilla friend like who's literally a gorilla <laughs> so um yeah I'm a little behind on a lot of my reading but you know sue me so motor girl um what I've read with the reviews online it's been really good I want to say it's up to issue 7 7 or 8 now I know I have them all boxed up somewhere so if you're reading motor girl uh and you have thoughts and opinions please tweet me at carefree blurred um Oh, so Strangers in Paradise will return in January of 2018. And Terry said that the, the book is returning and it's coming right up on the heels of its 25th year anniversary so kudos to him and congrats and good luck to him and anyone else who's like die hard waiting for, uh, for these characters to come back. So it's a really good book from what I read. So I'm going to take a quick little break and then come back with the pool. I love the way you activate your hips and push your ass out. Got a brother, won't miss so bad, I'm about to pass out. Wanna dig you, and I can't even lie about it, baby. Just alleviate your clothes. I'm the fly about it. Catch you at the club, your hips have got me feeling. Body don't me, but I think I'm brand Now, if you wanna roll with me, then here's your chance to win 80 on the freeway. Catch me if you can Alright, so I'm back um, and diving right into the pool. Like I said, this episode will be a little shorter because I really wanted to give my thoughts out on this one particular issue. I won't be covering three. I'll just be covering one. X-Men Go number eight. Now we have Secret Invasion or Secret Empire or whatever going on at Marvel right now. You know, they don't do events anymore, supposedly. There's just events. ...style things going on, which is whatever. So we have uh, X-Men Gold, which has been a pretty good book so far... ...with the Kitty Pryde-led team. Uh, we have Kitty Pryde, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Prestige... Um, ...A.K.A. Rachel Gray, and Old Man Logan. Now, this book opens up after there has been a mutant hunter... ...in the academy, school, whatever, Xavier School... ...for wayward children or whatever. Um... And we open up with the continuation of what happened in the last issue, which was Colossus, who can no longer transform into his steel metal form, being shot at directly in the head. Um, Beautiful opening page. It is of uh, Peter and the gun, like, face-to-face, and the bullet coming straight at his head. And the artwork, which is um, done by... Ken Lacey as far and the colors Frank Martin with Andrew Crosley. this is this is a very stunning first page this would be nice if you want to get this framed and hung up somewhere but Prestige aka Rachel Grey stops the bullet now what i like about this series so far is Phoenix Rachel Grey Prestige whatever she's going by um i like because i'm not really a Rachel Grey fan i've i wasn't exposed to her until i got much older into like Maybe five, six years ago. And I was not really impressed with what I saw. I know she was on Excalibur and all this other stuff. But I just, I've never been a fan of hers. But I like that they're kind of pushing her psychic limits and her powers. And, you know, just with the things she's dealing with, which I think is a nice B-plot that's running through this series. Um, She stops the bullet and throws it back at the... Uh Uh-oh, calm down bad y'all throws it back at the uh the mutant hunter who's been on campus like shooting and killing and disposing of all of the mutant children and stuff now there's this little fight scene uh shit is what it is what i like about this book is that we're getting a lot of like cameos of these characters who i either don't know about or they look interesting or i've heard a little bit about one of which is rock slide which i feel like i should know who this is but i don't um, and one of my favorites, Dust, and favorites because I just found out about her in the cartoon Wolverine and the X Men. Uh, she played a pretty quick role in there. It wasn't a, a full, full fledged um, appearance, and or series wide appearance. And I fell in love with her look immediately. Uh, Muslim character dressed in Muslim garb in a uh, ooh, what is it called? Oh, it's escaping me and I know what it is. If you're yelling at me into your devices, please just tweet me, carefully blur. <laughs> but she's um using her powers. This is beautifully drawn. Uh, Kitty, I think is very capable. Kitty is another character who I've never, I don't hate her. I don't dislike her, but I never had any feelings about her really because I grew up in the um, time when her analog was Jubilee. Um, so that's the 80s, 90s where I'm coming into comics where she isn't a, uh, like, entry-level character for me. Like, she isn't the, the character that the audience relates to. But I like the way she's written, and I like how she's handling things. Um, her new cut is really nice, too. Um, what was that saying? When a woman's been through something, she'll cut her hair or something. I don't know. If that's misogynistic, forgive me. Um... Yeah, so anyway, the guy Mutant Hunter, he takes care of uh Rachel and that's one my one first issue with this book is that you have these characters omega level or not, but they have so much power. I don't wanna say this is lazy writing, but to eliminate her from the fight when she's the character in this book, it's like this keeps happening. She keeps like she's growing as far as learning about her powers. But this is not the first time in this run, which is only eight issues, that she's been out of commission after using her powers in a way that is visually interesting and, like, new, shows growth in her. Um, And then, like, she had that little comment about a relationship, not a relationship, but feelings for Kurt, I want to say, the last issue, right before this uh, Mutant Hunter came in. He has a name. He's not called Mutant Hunter. It's, um... A serial killer. I don't know. Whatever. But, um... Yeah, they knock her out. Like, immediately. And I'm like, okay, come on. Again, I don't want to say it's lazy writing, but... You have this character. Like, do something. Like, it's not... She did this one amazing, fantastic thing, and then gets put out of commission right away. This chick has a cape. Like... (laughs) She has a cape and all these damn powers, and she's knocked out. Like, find a more creative way. And, I mean, I guess it can go to the credit of the mutant hunter that he was able to knock her out so quickly. But, I don't know. I don't see it that way. And I'm very interested to see where the hell she ends up in issue 9. Is she going to be in recovery again? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, But, I guess the takeaway from that is if she's in recovery once more and we get to see Cecilia Reyes, then I guess that's good. Another woman of color popping up in the book. So um, Rockslide and Dust are trying to defuse a bomb. They realize that they can't, so we need Kitty to phase into it and destroy it. And I like that, even though I have issues with Rachel being knocked out, I like that it's come down to Kitty to save everyone. Um, Where it's not a man who needs to come and save these women in distress. It's Kitty who's in charge, and she's acting like a leader. She's been consistently acting like a leader from the start even in Iceman number two i believe where um he and her went on a little mission to save that racially ambiguous guy um she still felt like a leader to me not like i don't know i just i just like the way she's being written lately um so she phases through the wall and the visuals are very interesting in this issue um where i think they could have done better is that from the last issue we find out that Kurt Nightcrawler is uh being attacked by this mob of angry people. like I, I'm so sick and tired of that like man I'm a mutant yeah but what makes me different from Captain America from Ms Marvel from the Inhumans like you do not know that I'm a mutant I could very well be an alien I could very well have been bitten by a radioactive Wolverine I could have fell into a vat of electricity like you don't no and no one else has these problems like if in the, in the marvel universe book wide if there was an issue with humans attacking superpower individuals on a street level then i'd say okay but goddamn okay so we get wolverine old man logan popping up and then we get this visual of storm coming up right behind him it's a nice little um kind of like a cinematic reveal Ugh, i just hate the way this looks like the first fight seemed to be really dynamic in this although it's interesting it's a lot going on it just didn't do it for me but it might be just off of personal taste um the important part of this issue is that apparently somewhere back in the day Kurt something happened where his soul was taken or damaged or something like in the extraordinary X-Men run I remember not being too interested in that arc where um he came back from hell... Or something... And like Storm... And, and Jean Grey... The time displaced Jean Grey... Had to... um Go into his mind... And it's all this... I, I just wasn't interested in it... Um, I do like him as a character... I would... He seems more like a person of color... um, Not just because he's... <laughs> literally blue... But just in his... Like... It just seems like he should be... And again... That might be down to personal taste... Um there is a scene where, a scene on panel where, oh man, Ball, oh man, you know, they, I'm glad we got to you before they killed you. Um, and he says, he being Nightcrawler, but they did kill me, my friend, but because I escaped from heaven, heaven wouldn't let me back in. I'm like, ugh, girl, this motherfucker, and his, uh, <laughs> his Catholic face has always been like very, um, very much a part of his character which is cool um and again a lot of this probably just comes down to personal taste I don't think this is a bad book I just I find issues with it overall it was a pretty good story but I'm kind of tired of the deformed person and this cast out like I I get what's going on and I it's believable but I feel like maybe he isn't getting the Maybe he... now I want to say a solo series, but I need more. Because, I don't know, I just... I like Nightcrawler as a character, but I'm just not really feeling him lately. And when I say lately, I mean over the last, like, three or four years. I haven't... I've been like, okay, he's interesting, the happy-go-lucky elf, but I'm not really into it. I don't know. And then the thing that, that this is such a small... See, like, the... This has nothing to do with the overall... Not nothing to do. Rather, this conversation about him and being in hell and heaven and whatnot doesn't <clears throat> immediately affect the uh, the the storyline going forward with the bombs and stuff. So it was just like one page, one and done. We get back to the bomb where Rockslide is like, "Look, you know, get rid of this." Kitty's like, "It's not electrical; it's uh, chemical, so she can't face through it and, and end it. So we have to get everyone away from the campus because I think if it explodes, it explodes like." which I'm probably over-exaggerating, but like a 500-mile radius. Um, All I ask is that you make sure nobody is inside when it happens. Okay. So, Peter is outside. Dustin Rockslide goes outside. And he's like, oh, where's Katya? And they're like, well, she's still inside. She's going to face our attacker. And, of course, Peter, not being able to use his mutant ability, walks back inside. They're like, okay, man, where the fuck are you going? I'm going to help. Keep everyone out here safe. (laughs) That's my Russian accent. Any Russian listeners don't take offense. Um, So, Rockstar says what everyone is thinking who's reading this book at the time. "Mm, Your powers don't work, man. What the fuck are you doing? You're crazy. He's like, I am not crazy. I am Russian. And uh, then we get a little cutaway to a Russian... I don't want to put you... Nimchikovka outside moscow i assume this is a like a state uh two guys speaking in russian about somebody showing up This somebody is the hand the catch-all asian bad guys who marvel uses to i don't know show that asians are evil and they're ninjas and that's it i don't know right after that since kitty's um powers are like knocked out she's using a sword and she goes to remind everyone that she is a ninja she's a shadow cat which that's all fine and good so she gets to fighting the mutant hunter um pixie i believe this girl name is white woman pink hair pink butterfly wings or insect wings uh they get to fighting he dampens her powers with this gun she's using her sword this is a very good fight scene i feel like the artwork is really good um, the colors too, it, like it comes off as nighttime, it's not some excessively bright, um, looking, uh, uh palette or whatever, it's, it's dark, it's nice, so the, f- the faceplate is knocked off, and we see that this is a black man, I feel like, this person is probably someone significant, and I just don't know, um, if you've read X-Men Gold, issue eight, and you know, please hit me up and let me know, um, But my issue comes in right here at the end. So they're they're arguing. The faceplate is knocked off. He's using a gun. She has her sword. And there's a conversation that they have, which is... (sighs) Kitty says, you're not running away. He's like, shut up and drop your sword. She drops her sword. And her... But you know, we've got maybe three minutes until we blow this place up because of the bomb. He's like, you think I care? She says, most people generally do. Um... He says everyone's she says everyone's evacuated by now and he says, Not you, their leader. And this place it's a symbol. So being sarcastic, you know, they're talking. He says he has to get rid of the evil of mutiny. She says we're not evil. And he says, Tell that to my wife and son. No, you can't, because they're dead. They died right here. Right where you dropped this mutant house because of mutants you fight like giants with the power of gods and you don't care you don't fucking care about the ants who get trampled underfoot he didn't say fucking but you get it um, how many evil mutants have you fought how many times have you saved the world but never ever bothered to ask about the people lost to collateral damage this is an interesting scene I would like to see this played um on screen some kind of way I don't like the way it ended because Kitty says to answer this question too many times. You're right. We save the world and we move on and we figure whatever it is we've done is enough. That someone else will handle the cleanup. It's selfish and it's negligent. But what you're doing is permit, it's premeditated. It's deliberate, which makes you more evil than I'll ever be. Now, this is my issue right here. When someone is being racist and being violent towards you as a person of color, they're bad. Now, when you react violently to defend yourself, all of a sudden it's, yeah, what he did is bad, but violence begins violence, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and such and such. Who in the fuck gave you the right to police how I respond to being attacked? If you push me, and I turn around and stab you, you are not in control of the way that I react to being attacked. So if you cussing me out, oh, you call me stupid, I call you, oh, you dumb motherfucker, this, then the third, everything but a child of God. You can't police the way that I respond to defending myself. Premeditated and deliberate, this is. But I've had an issue with X-Men. I've had an issue with this kind of white gaze that's going on where it is true, I like that they're getting down to the meat of these things that are happening like he said, this house was dropped literally on top of my family when you relocated from wherever the fuck you came from to Central Park, a park that is populated by people that was once populated by people of color that were ran out by white folks just deciding that they didn't need that space anymore affluent white folks, no mind you that just, For her to say that you're just as more evil than I'll ever be, I'm like, bitch, What are you fucking serious? X-Men have been fighting wars and massacres and evil guys and bad doers and this and that for years. And like you said, not once has someone stopped to say, hmm, well, we kind of fought at the Statue of Liberty and maybe killed a couple hundred thousand people. But that's okay, because Magneto is in jail like what are you serious so i empathize with of course the quote unquote bad guy his reasoning and what he's doing we he's come off as a villain and it's bad because he's killing these mutants and we you know we empathize with them and they're the ones being attacked here no his family had a house dropped on them like this was some fairy tale they don't bounce back from that like what is he supposed to do sit here and cry and that's it this man did something about it, and I'm all for it. So, I'm all for him. This I'm on his side. Kitty, this whole, you're more evil than I'll ever be. Bitch, are you serious? She's serious. No, you are. Like, I I don't know. I had so many thoughts going through my head when I read this. It was just like, are you, are you fucking serious? Like, this is... I don't know. I don't know. Even if this man wasn't black, I would still feel the same way. But the fact that he is, is it's just like they went far enough to address that this place was dropped on a place where there were tons of people and that's that you made him out to be the villain but is he re- i don't know so he pulled the trigger and of course peter jumps in the way to save this damsel white woman in distress like whatever this is so i don't know he's uh rock slide comes in knocks him out uh, I was, I'm really uninterested with the rest of this. Um, uh, Detective Mahoney, a black man, arrests him. Uh, hmm. So, whatever. So, the final page. Um, there is... It looks like Kitty is served with papers. This is an invitation from Congressman Zellman to testify before the subcommittee concerning H.R. 372, which is a bill currently pending in the House. It's called the Mutant Deportation Act i'm all for it i don't even like i like that this book is attack attacking is addressing like real world real world things so even though i have my feelings on them dropping this house in central park and central park being seneca village from before the very fact that this writer mark guggenheim is addressing these things i think it's very um it's very interesting because it's not just this cosmic level threat that you're dealing with. It's also um, normal stuff, which makes this a better book than um, than some other iterations of X-Men I've read. Or a more relatable or down-home street level book. Um, I'll backtrack and say, how the hell is she going to say that he's more evil than her when it seems like, hell this black man family been gone but then you're going to turn around and not have an issue uh the only issue we seem to have had in the history is that gene grass phoenix wiped out that damn planet full of beings that were some made up something like eh, sorry you lost your lives but you aren't real you aren't people so <laughs> no but that's um that's it i just really had like a reaction to reading that like how entitled are you bitch you but you're more evil than i am uh no no he's not just like if anything happens to a fellow x-men if i accidentally dropped the house on a wolverine and he actually died this time someone will be after me so don't act as eh, whatever um the other two books that i got was luke cage issue three entitled power man go home um i have the first two issues that probably locked up in a box somewhere along with my uh Strangers in Paradise... And my Motor Girl issues... So I'm not even going to fake like I read that yet... And Wildstorm issue 6... By Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt... Uh, Wildstorm is another book that I am collecting... Because it has a little uh, numbering up to 24... Two years worth of issues for this run I assume... And I have yet to get past issue 3... So forgive me but I had to get my thoughts out about this damn X-Men Go... So um, again... Catch Carefree Black Nerd on Sundays and The Pool bi weekly, weekly, whenever I can find time to sit down and discuss. <laughs> so, thanks for listening. Uh, keep this conversation going. Hit me up on carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Twitter, the quickest way to reach me at carefreeblurred. Um, shit, The Pool. <laughs> so, catch you back here next time. Stay in time. Same nerd station.